but there's lots of people out there who want more that have some ambitions, some, they want to bet on themselves. They want to take some risks. They want to create something. They want to build something. That was not me at mm. all until I would say my late thirties. Then I started to get, as you said in the intro, this entrepreneurial itch. I felt like, boy, I'd, I'd learned so much. I'd grown so much. I'd done so much. I got to this point where I was like, well, what else? And this is when I started to think, well, maybe, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll start my own business. Maybe I'll bet on myself. But I was still so risk averse. I never did it until at the age of 43, for the first time ever in my life, I found myself laid off. Mm. And for a guy that had been following the script, because the script is supposed to be the safe route, that shook me to the core. Well, hello and welcome back to the Small Business Startup Essentials podcast, where we dive into the topics of starting your own online personal brand business. Maybe money's tight and you'd like to have an additional income stream. Maybe you're making a later in life pivot and you'd like to try your hand at monetizing your expertise. Look, whatever your reason for tuning in, welcome. But now let's get right into this episode. So folks, today I have with us uh, Dennis Gielen, all the way from Ontario, Canada. Now, Dennis has had quite a journey. And friends, if you're listening now and saying to yourself, I don't know if I could ever have my own business, or I don't know if I have what it takes, then this episode is for you. Dennis has had various roles in the corporate workforce, but found himself starting to have the entrepreneurial itch and just needed to scratch it. He's the founder of Zero In, which is a consulting company that helps companies with their customer experience and innovation, but then took it one step further and wrote a book, The Zero In Formula. And his more recent endeavors include writing a best-selling book, The Accidental Solopreneur, in a couple of courses, the author's playbook and the solopreneur playbook. Now, I took the author's playbook course because I'm in the middle of a serious writing project now, and it was worth every penny. Dennis, thanks for taking some time to be with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Tom. So fill us in on the journey you had with your transition out of the corporate realm and into having your own business. Yeah. Well, I, I like to tell people for the first 40 or so years of my life, I, I was actually very risk averse. And I, I didn't think I had an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I was I was a follow the script guy, right? Get Get your education, get a good job, get married, buy a house, have some kids, put away 10%, you know, and until eventually you retire at 65 and you've played it safe and that's the script. Um, and for the majority of people that, that works great and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but there's lots of people out there who want more that have, you know, um, some ambitions, some, they want to bet on themselves. They want to take some risks. They want to create something. They want to build something. That was not me at mm. all until I would say my late thirties. 
Then I started to get, as you said in the intro, this entrepreneurial itch. I felt like, boy, I'd, I'd learned so much. I'd grown so much. I'd done so much. I got to this point where I was like, well, what else? And this is when I started to think, well, maybe, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll start my own business. Maybe I'll bet on myself. But I was still so risk averse. I never did it until at the age of 43, for the first time ever in my life, I found myself laid off. Mm. And for a guy that had been following the script, because the script is supposed to be the safe route, that shook me to the core. It was, but but this is the safe route. How, how can I now be on the outside looking in when I'm taking the safe route? How can I be laid off? How can I be, you know, it, it really turned me upside down. And um, immediately my initial reaction was, well, I'll just jump right back into the corporate world and I'll find another corporate job and I'll continue on the script, right? But the longer I had to think about it and the more I talked about it with my wife, um, she reminded me, you know, Dennis, you've been talking about doing your own thing. You've been talking about wanting more. You've been talking about betting on yourself. If now isn't the perfect time, you've been laid off, you got a severance package, you're still only 43, there's lots of time to be able to, you know, have the energy to jump in and build something like, are you going to regret it if you don't take this opportunity? So we talked about it and um, we had decided, yeah, I'm going to give it a full year. Mm -hmm. And that way, at the end of the year, I'll be able to say I gave it a really good shot. I gave it my all. I gave it a full year. And if it didn't work, I wouldn't have regrets because I would know I tried. And at that point, I'd be 44, still young enough to jump back into the corporate world. What if it worked? Right. What if I bet on myself and I did it? And I, I lived out that dream and I scratched that itch and I and I built something on my own. Man, that would be awesome. So that's what happened. And that was four years ago. So that was kind of my transition. It was not a, hey, I think I'm going to do this. And I planned it all out and everything. It was more of a boom. I've been hit with this new reality. And that was my reaction. Yeah, yeah. And the, the what if it works part, I think, is, is so important because it's easy to think about the negative aspects of it all, you know, like what, what if it doesn't work? What if I lose everything? What, if, what if I make a fool of myself? What if I can't do what I think, I, you know, and everybody can have this long list of what if it doesn't, yeah. or how it cannot work out, right. But when you said, what if it works, that's, that's what flips the script in our heads, and helps us to have you know, that confidence and the motivation to, to do this, right? It, it, I'm, I'm sure it helped me a lot that I had a very supportive yeah. wife. And I'm sure it also helped me a lot that I had a severance package, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Those two things almost gave me the permission, right? And um, I was actually just reading recently um, Adam Grant's book, Originals. And he talks about in there how it's non-conformist, people that take risks, people that you know, push the boundaries that end up, you know, creating new companies and new industries and, and, and really making the world go. But he also talks in there about how they're also extremely good at hedging their bets. They're not massive risk takers that just throw caution to the wind and try this. 
if you, if you go back and you look at some of the most successful founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs over time, they always had some risk mitigation. They always had some plan Bs and that allowed them the confidence to put that foot forward and take a bit of a risk because they know they had a, a safety net. So I didn't design it that way. It is not, that wasn't my intent. It, it just circumstantially happened that way for me. Um, but moving forward, I do coach people on, hey, if you're going to start something, maybe start it as mm -hmm. a side hustle or make sure you've got some capital lined up or make sure you've got some runway, but don't just jump in and have no safety net you're probably going to create a ton of anxiety and make a lot of bad decisions if, if you take that. Now, route. you said you gave yourself a, a year. Was that based on you know the severance package that you had or were you going beyond that and, and, it, and still taking a bet on yourself? The full year would take me beyond the severance package mm -hmm. for sure. The severance package got me through maybe the first mm -hmm. half of that. Um, so I knew, okay, at least I've got a six-month runway. Mm -hmm should be able to figure out how to make money in, in six months. I, my, my, my whole idea was to um, start this consulting company. But beyond that, I didn't really know a whole lot. Well, I was going to do management consulting, but what niche would I get into? How would I market myself? Who would I, what would be my, um, you know, ideal client? I had none of that figured out yet. So I, I figured, okay, I got six months to figure that stuff out. And then hopefully I'll have six months of experience doing this. And by that point, I'll be able to make an informed decision. Is this working or mm -hmm. is it not? If if I didn't give it long enough, I might not be able to make that informed decision. So that's where the one year came So how from. did you get your first client? Yeah, great question. Um, I'm going to preface this by saying I was extremely naive in the beginning. Yes, I had all this corporate background um, lots of high profile positions and senior leadership, but I was always on the operations side. Mm -hmm. I did not have a sales or marketing or branding background. I had an operations, uh, you know, efficiencies, project management, you know, uh, continuous improvement, uh, team leadership. That was my background. So I was going to be a, a consultant in those things. So I thought, great, I know exactly what to do when I land a client. I can help them with their processes, with their leadership, with their team structure. I soon found out I had no idea how to get a client for myself. Uh, so that was where I had to really start digging in. Um, my first client, though, to answer your question, was really through um, existing contacts and uh, relationships already I had built through my corporate career. So I was able to leverage that. Luckily, I didn't have to immediately start cold calling and cold emailing. I, I could rely on some, you know, relationships and reputation I had built through the previous 20 years. So uh, that was enough to get the ball rolling at least. Okay. So because you had those contacts in place, then how did you get your second client? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the the first couple were um, a combination of existing um, yeah, relationships. And then I also started to partner. So I found people that were doing consulting as well, but maybe complementary consulting to what I did. So I started reaching out to them and, and explaining what I was doing. And hey, if you ever get a client and they're asking you to do X, Y, and Z, and you can only fulfill X and Y, I can come in and do the Z part. So I started getting uh, some clients that way. Um, and then after a while, it started, you know, to, to snowball into referrals, repeats, 
uh, and, and so on. But again, I'll preface all that with saying I was still figuring a lot out. I did switch my niche and my offering several times before I landed on, mm -hmm. ah, this is my mm -hmm. sweet spot. So it was not a smooth ride. It was not as easy as I'm making it sound by these answers. It, it was definitely a roller coaster. So you said you switched your niche a few times, right? So does that yeah. mean that like you tried some things that didn't work out and, and you tried something else that didn't work out? Because that's pretty common. Yeah, and and yeah. You, you try something, see if it works, and and if it's yeah. if it fits for you, great. If it doesn't, you try something else, right? Is that sort of what you went through? Yeah, uh, it was a combination of a couple things you said there. Uh, a, see if it works. So works being, am I landing clients? Is there a market for this? You know, and then the other thing you you mentioned was uh, see if it fits for me. Um, so yeah, I found that, boy, uh, here's a service. I started off offering some project management consulting. Well, just about every company in every industry can use some project management. So that was an easy sell. The problem was I didn't enjoy hmm. it. It wasn't a good fit for me. I felt now like I was just an employee in the company. I was a guy on the keyboard. I was I was doing work. What I really wanted was more of an advisory consulting role. So I had to move away from offering project management. I was more of a contractor, I would say, in, in that case, right? It worked, but wasn't really what I was enjoying or looking for. I went into leadership. Well, now I was one of about a million leadership coaches or consultants out there. Boy, that was tough. Yeah. Um, why would somebody hire me as the leadership coach, you know, to make my name there? So that's when I finally settled on um, more of a specific um, strategy of customer experience and innovation. Um, with my background, I was able to combine those two and bring a very unique and different perspective around combining customer experience and innovation. That's when I wrote the book, The Zero in Formula, about customer experience and innovation. That catapulted my credibility and, and got my name out there and my my strategies. And that's really when I was like, ah, here's, here's my niche. This is what I'm doubling down on. Okay. So how did you get to the point of becoming a first time author because that's that's quite a leap from you know knowing being an expert in what you do to writing a book about it right so how did you make that jump yeah. quick break here in the middle friends just to recommend something to you if you like to write i know i do and i'm usually in the middle of a writing project in one way or another but i came across this course called the author's playbook by Dennis Geelan that really helped me in more ways than one. Just getting the resources at the end made it worth getting. Again, it's called the Author's Playbook course. It's under $100 and worth every penny. I'll put the link in the show notes for you to check it out. Just wanted to pass this tip along to you. Let's get back to the episode. It, it was a bit of a journey. Um at the time when I was trying to figure out how do I differentiate myself? How do I stand out amongst these other coaches and consultants out there? I started to see that, boy, a lot of the ones that um, seem to be doing well have something behind their name, either a course or a book or their own specific methodology or system. 
So I was like, boy, you know what? I'm going to combine that. And I'm go- I-, I had my way of working with uh, clients, the zero in formula. So now I'm going to put that into a book and get that out there. And, and I know just having author of behind your name instantly, you know, increases your credibility. So that was, uh, that was my motivation there was just to really break through and, and make a name for myself. Hmm. So what do you th- see other people struggling with uh, when they're trying to decide if they should have their own business? What are the biggest hurdles you see people facing? Yeah, the first one is definitely figuring out their niche. Um, if you come in too general, you're not appealing to anybody. You, you're, you're trying to appeal to everyone, so you end up appealing to nobody. The more you can niche down, the more specific you can get, um, whether that's by type of service or a type of client you offer, you know, industry. Uh, you know, the example I like to give people is don't market yourself as a book editor, Market yourself as a nonfiction book editor for mm. first-time authors. Yeah. That's a niche. Because if I'm a nonfiction book author writing my first book, which editor do, I, do you think I'm going to go for? The one that seems to specialize in my specific mm-hmm. problem. So how do you specialize? How do you... So that that's a, a, an issue I see a lot of people um, having is... And it seems counterintuitive. Well, I don't want to pick a particular challenge that I solve, or I don't want to pick a particular size business or industry because I could be leaving all these other ones on the table. And my answer is, but they don't want you. They don't see you as the expert. If you just say, I'm a consultant or I'm a coach, it's, you got to get as specific as possible. Now they see you as Mm -hmm. the expert. And then the second thing would be having some credibility behind Mm -hmm. your name. So for me, writing the book instantly um, shot my credibility through the roof. I mean, I did a ton of research. I talked to a lot of authors about writing, publishing, and marketing a good book. So it ended up really working out well for me. I, I put a ton of time and effort into it. And I go into that in the author's playbook course to help other people do it. But um, it got me on all these podcasts. All of a sudden, companies around the world were reading my my book. I was able to advertise, look at my books, you know, number one bestseller my credibility went through the roof. So anytime you can have something like that behind your name, anytime you can have testimonials that speak to your results, now you've got this winning combination of I'm an expert in a specific niche and I'm credible. I think those are the two places where I see most Mm. people struggling Mm. in the beginning is that um, they don't double down on those. Things. So what are your thoughts on volunteering your services um, initially to maybe see if what what you think you want to do is what you really want to do and maybe to also use that as leverage to gain some maybe referrals or feedback, things like that. What, what are your thoughts on volunteering your your services um to get get your foot in the door i'm all for it i i recommend that to a lot of people a it's going to give you a chance to say do i actually enjoy this can i actually Mm -hmm. help people can i deliver Mm -hmm. the results without all this pressure of boy they're paying me Mm -hmm. right and if you do a good job your whole point there is you should be doing this in exchange for testimonials Mm -hmm. because if you like it and you're good at it and now you have testimonials from people saying what you did and the results you got for them. 
instantly you've you've catapulted yourself into that ex- credible expert uh, territory with proof. So you're three steps ahead of the game. I've done it. Yeah, I did it as well with a a nonprofit organization um, out of Buffalo, actually close close to you. Uh, You know, he's coaching an executive director for a couple of years, uh, going through uh, the organization's transition and growth, and you know, helping him with a number of things. And I really, I I was like, this is this is what I want to do, you know. And so that's when I started pivoting. Uh, my business from being an IT business to uh, a coaching, a, you know, small business uh, coaching type business. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And and did you get the yeah. testimonial? Yeah. There you go. So it was worth it. It gave me enough time also to work out some kinks, you know, and to sort of um, yeah. refine my approach, refine my message and, you know, in marketing, things like that. Some people are are just fine with the social media aspect of promoting their business, but what if what if somebody isn't just fine with that? You know, maybe like the older uh, first time entrepreneurs. What would you say to folks that maybe are struggling with the social media part because it's so important to get your message out mm-hmm. through social media these days? Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, I wasn't wasn't comfortable with it. Uh, I started off mostly just doing in person networking mm. events, um, only to find, boy, my ideal customers right. aren't there. So why am I wasting my time? I need to go to where my customers are. Um, so I went to social media, and I looked at all the different platforms out there, and went, okay, well, LinkedIn is for business. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people are on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube just to look at funny videos of cats, like trying to hone in on your target audiences is is a lot harder in in a crowded Mm -hmm. channel like that. So I chose LinkedIn as the one I was Mm -hmm. going to go to. And I just Mm -hmm. learned what's working for other people when I'm scrolling through what makes me stop. And I I started to learn a lot about copywriting and how to draw people's attention in, how to hook them. Um, how to deliver value, how to get them to engage on your posts. I just started really learning what other people are doing and watching and and replicating that and then putting my own spin on it. Um, so my advice to people out there would be, you know, just just learn. See it as a, a as a as a game where you you kind of challenge yourself to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out five posts today that really interest me and then discover why. What, what is it that made me stop and read or comment on that post? And now can I take that same strategy that that person seemed to be using and, and now embed that in how I'm writing? Um, how are other people engaging with me on my posts or growing their audience? What can I see what they're mm-hmm. doing and then start to replicate mm-hmm. that as well? So if you kind of come at it from a learning perspective, a curiosity point of view, I, I found that a lot more fun. Um, rather than, oh my God, I got this daunting task of trying to figure out social media. Uh, no, just make it small bite-sized chunks and make a game yeah. out of it. Yeah, I uh, did some similar things. You know, I took a course from Ray Edwards. Uh, uh, we both uh, interact with Justin Welsh and material that he provides. I took a course course from him yeah. on uh, content creation. And, um, you know, I, I had a coach, uh, Mike Kim, 
who was very instrumental in, in my transition and in defining my message and purpose was my pivot to, with my business. Now, did you have any coaching or mentors along the way to help you sort of in your pivot? Several, yeah. Some paid, some unpaid. Some some just people I would chat with and, and a bit of a group of people that we would, you know, uh, talk with. But I did also pay for some coaching and mentoring and some courses mm -hmm. as well. I did do the Justin Welsh uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. uh, course. And great yeah, value yeah. from that one. I did, uh, I did a branding um, cohort uh, through David Breyer. Um, really learned how to differentiate myself and, and get my message across so I don't look and feel like every other consultant mm -hmm. out there. So that was huge. Um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, encourage people, know where your strengths are, know where your strengths mm -hmm. aren't, and invest in those areas, whether it's a book, whether it's a course, whether it's time, you know, just investigating what other people are doing but you got to invest in yourself. I, I learned very quickly that I had no clue when it came to sales, marketing, mm. and branding. I was going to have mm. to learn either through time, trial and error, or by paying an expert. Um, but I had to invest in that or else my business was yeah, going to go anywhere. We, we both talk a lot about being a solopreneur, but that doesn't mean you do everything alone. It just means you're yeah. the sole, you know, owner of the business, you know, there's no way exactly. you can do everything alone, <laughs> you know, yeah. no matter how technical I am, uh, I still need the help of other people, uh, you know, around me to, to help me through different aspects of being a solopreneur. So, um, yeah. and even though we both do similar things with, helping solopreneurs uh, get started and, and launch. We st we're still in sort of different uh, running in different lanes, you know, there's, but we, uh, but I, I just, when I came across you, I just was so impressed with your journey and, and your development and, and how you uh, went from one book to two books to now you have a couple of courses and uh, it's, it sort of motivated yeah. me to, uh, to create a course as well. And so um, uh, working on the beginning stages of, of, of that, when, when I, uh, Excellent. when I took your author's uh, playbook course, I was, uh, I was really impressed with, uh, with that. Dennis, what's next for you? What do you see in the, in the horizon for yourself? Yeah. I, I would say um, in the last year, I just started coaching solopreneurs. I, that was not on my radar. That was not something that I had planned. It was, boy, I had I had started my own one-person consulting company. I consult for businesses. But because I've been sharing my journey online, sharing with everybody what I'm doing, what's working, what's not working, here's the books I'm writing, here's what I've learned about that, here's the courses I've created, I've had a ton of people reach out and say, hey, can I pick your brain for a minute? I want to start a one-person consulting company. Can I pick your brain? I want to write a book. Can I pick your brain? Hey, I'm putting out a course. Can I pick your brain? And I was taking all of these free Zoom calls for people to pick Ouch. my brain. <laughs> and maybe I'm slow uh, you know, on the uptake. But finally, the light bulb went off going, hey, Dennis, there's a whole secondary market there. You can also help solopreneurs do what you're doing. So that's been my mm. side hustle for the last 
six, nine months. Um, the Accidental Solopreneur is a book mm -hmm. about, it's a, it's, a, it's a fictional parable, but it talks about somebody leaving the corporate world and starting their own one-person company. And it's got all these strategies and tips in there. So that's been helping all kinds of people. Then I turned that into the Solopreneur Playbook course, where I dive into that in much more detail and help people you know, build out their one-person business. And then for the, hey, can you help me write a book? Well, that was the author's playbook. So I'm just continuing down that road. Um, I do one-off, one-hour coaching calls with people. But I have had a lot of people reach out in the last month or two saying, hey, can I do like a full two, three-month mm. coaching with you? And it's not something I currently mm. offer. So I am testing it out right now with, with mm. one person. If that goes well, if I feel like I enjoy it, if I feel like I'm adding value, maybe that is something I'll transition more into and and maybe I'll start ramping down the zero-in consulting and start ramping up the solopreneur coaching. Um, but every I, I've learned that everything like that moving forward, um, I just test. Mm. And if it works, great, keep going with it. If it doesn't, okay, shut it down. Um, no, no problem. So I've just been kind of following where the market's been leading me and it's it's been doing me well. So I, I think I'll just continue on that path in 2023. Sounds good. Well, Dennis, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Uh, so my website, uh, dennisgeelan.me, you can access my, my, my book, my courses, my coaching calls with me. You can read about me. But if you want to reach out to me personally, Probably the best way is through yeah. LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active. I love connecting with new yeah. people there. Yeah. So, good deal, Dennis. Thanks for taking some time today. Share your journey, your your wisdom, your expertise. You know, your transition out of corporate, uh, how you made that leap to having your own business, and and it just looks like you're on you know a, a path that that's going to take you some to some really cool places, you know, because uh, you're more and more in demand for sure. Um, I can see that as, as well. Well, thanks for, for taking some time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. And anytime I can get a chance to add some value and inspire somebody else, I'm, I'm happy to do so. Hey friend, thanks for listening. Hope there was real value in this episode for you that keeps you motivated to move forward in your vision of having a successful online business. If you'd like to dive into these types of issues, you can go to tomclaremont.com, schedule a free 30-minute discovery call, and we'll talk about your specific situation and how I can help. I'll put a link in the show notes. Friend, as always, stay encouraged, follow your dream, and don't give up.